Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Brisnet.com, PredictiveForum.com preview podcast. Uh, some preview today, but also a, a look back to the Preakness Stakes and Preakness Stakes Day. Uh, I'm sure uh, Danny uh, has some crowing he'd like to do, and uh, I know we saw a couple tweets from listeners that we appreciate, uh, but when it comes to the, the Dixie Preakness double, uh, we hope that uh, some of our analysis led people to both take over target and exaggerator, uh, but this game humbles you pretty quick, so we won't spend too much time uh, patting ourselves on the back, but rather looking ahead to the Belmont Stakes, now just two and a half weeks away. Preakness Stakes winner Exaggerator is going. Kentucky Derby winner Nyquist is not uh, eager to hear Danny's thoughts on their progress on the Triple Crown Trail and what new names uh, might be a threat for Exaggerator, uh, Exaggerator's ascent to the top of the three-year-old division. Uh, we ran the uh, Brisnet ran the file today, so predictive form will have contender uh, numbers up beginning tomorrow. Uh, so definitely check that out. We'll put a link in the description when that's available, what PP's available. In the meantime, we'll rely on Danny's knowledge of the numbers. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Danny, how are you? What's going on, Ed? Uh, not too much. Not sure if you heard the open, but uh, I, I braced our listeners for a little bit of a crowing on our part. Uh, felt like we pretty much had the, the Dixie Preakness double uh locked up between the two of us yeah well i mean i yeah we had uh chad's horse and exaggerator is one or two but i'm I'm really actually most proud of the fact that cherry cherry wine right cherry wine ran well he was our second third pick logical pick to hit the board logical pick to uh, be there in the in the trifecta and the fact that he nosed out um nyquist was just was just another positive but whether it was the Wall Street Journal, you looked at the pace figures. That new pace top with cherry wine, when, and this is the great thing about predictive form, it goes unnoticed. We don't have a huge amount of customers right now. We're growing that database every week. But um, if you would have used the pace figures, you would have seen that new pace top moved him up, and, and he, ran, he ran really well, as we, as we expected. Uh, yeah, absolutely. My uh, arm is so long, I'm patting myself on the back, Ed. I can't even reach. <laughs> I can't even reach. No, it was, uh, I mean, I felt, uh, you know, personally as a, a horse player, I was, I don't, want, I don't want to say disappointed after the derby because Nyquist ran so well and it's just the way it goes sometimes. Favorites win and an exaggerator was a little, I would even say, even though it was my pick at 5-1, to one, I was less excited about him than I was when I thought we might get 8-1. to one. Uh, But then, you know, two weeks later, we, we had a genuine opportunity where, uh you know, if you got Nyquist or Exaggerator out of the Exacta, and it was pretty clear one of them would be in it, uh, you know, that Exacta paid better than 40 to 1, uh, my yep. top pick. And, of course, you really like to fill out the exotic. So, uh, to me, it was nice to, to see something like that come together. Uh, I did think uh, Exaggerator ran well. But, uh, as always in this game, you you look ahead and, uh, you know, big to me, the Belmont's a big race for him because if he wins, he'll be the leader of the three-year-old division with two classic wins, uh, 
you know, Nyquist will have the two-to-one head-to-head matchup. Uh, I would say the Belmont usurps the San Vicente in that regard. So for the first half of the year, he could go in the leader of the clubhouse with the win. Otherwise, I'd say Nyquist retains the top spot. Uh, looking at the numbers, how do you like Exaggerator on three weeks rest going a mile and a half? Well, um, you know, let's talk. start with Exaggerator, then we'll look around. So he ran 74 at the Preakness. He ran 74 final figure, 74 four furlong figure. It re- was regression on the top from the Derby, uh, 10 points. But really, we weren't surprised at, at that number, uh, though it was significantly less uh, then California Chrome ran, it was the same number that American Pharaoh ran in a similar kind of condition. So, um, you know, you look back at Exaggerator, and he he's one of these horses that hasn't strung together two big pace figures back-to-back. You know, he's got an 80 double top at Santa Anita in San Vicente, then he regressed to 73, ran a decent soft pattern, of course, his big number in the Derby. What looks like a decent number um, in the Preakness, given the track condition, but by no means am I crowning him king in the Belmont Stakes, without a doubt. I mean, he's not only is he going a mile and a half, and he's doing it off a three weeks rest versus a bunch of other though, other. But if you if you look at the pace figures, and we'll talk about this, there's not a lot of tactical speed. And when we get through the others, and we look look at some of the four furlong figures and six furlong figures in here, he's still going to be coming from way back and and so will a bunch of others but there won't be a cotton contested pace like we expected there to be in the in the uh, freakness yeah pace definitely going to be a a big question mark as it has been for the the previous two in the derby it was who would go with danza candy how fast Mm -hmm. would outwork go Uh, in the preakness uh it was among all these horses who would be on the lead and i'm sure some were surprised to see Nyquist uh, on the lead or right there with Uncle Lino in the early part of the race. Belmont, a completely no, different I wasn't. complexion. Not, not at all. Not, not at all. I mean, we talked about his four furlong figure. It was the highest four furlong figure average of the group. His last out four furlong figure was, you know, second or third. So the fact that he went to the lead, maybe for people that, you know, look at just the PPs and see a one or a two, it was surprising. But, you know, from my perspective, we anticipated that he would go to the lead, that he would move like he did, and that Exaggerator would be able to come home on top of him. So that was a pretty formful race, and I just don't see the same kind of pace unfolding in here with some of these four furlong numbers by the best of the rest of the runners. Yeah, no, no, no question. And I agree. I mean, to me, it wasn't uh, – I feel like Mario got a bum rap. I mean, the horse clearly took him to the front. And if he had strangled him back, everyone would be complaining about that. So, what was uh, the rap he got? Uh, he he got a lot of uh, criticism in the aftermath of the race. Oh yeah, yeah, for pushing the pace a little bit. Yeah, uh, which, like I said, I disagreed with because I feel like, I mean, he did it all on his own. It's not like he was, yeah. you know, scrubbing him out of the gate to get position or anything, and. Uh, you know, he, he didn't get the breather that I guess you would like when you're in that situation. Uncle Lino was hounding him, but, uh, you know, the, the numbers said that's where he would be, so I'm, I'm right. more in your camp uh, for sure. And look at the race. You, know, you, want to talk, you want to talk about a jockey that moved too slow? Go back, move too early, and maybe celebrate it. Look at Ken DeSormo's ride on Real Quiet, okay? That ride deserves a little chiding. Mario Gutierrez ran... <laughs> raced fine. I mean, he probably could have run a little bit better, but exactly. 
Go back and look at that race in 1999 or 2000, and then take a look at the race that Gutierrez ran, and you'll see the difference between moving too early and not moving too early. <laughs> I'd say, uh, well, and, and Mario moved as early as you could. It was the, the yeah, front yeah. part of the race. But, yeah, right, I, right. I hear you. Uh, so, Pletcher might hold the key to the, the pace in the Derby Stradivari, or excuse me, in the Belmont Stradivari, uh, a, a recent name. Uh, and Destin is the other one people think might end up being the one to to set the pace. Uh, as I said, we'll have uh, numbers available tomorrow. We ran the file today, so uh, we'll look forward to being able to see the numbers ourselves tomorrow. But, you know, from what you've seen and know of these horses, uh, is, is gate to wire possible with the right horse? Well, I'll tell you, and I, I did go back, and we have a tool that we're – we're building for the front end and for consumers right now, we're just testing it out on our uh, test site, but we're able to individually pull horses. And I did have the chance to pull a couple of these runners and both Stradivaria and Destin are coming off new pace tops. Destin ran a new pace top in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Stradivaria ran a new pace top at uh, the Preakness. I think Destin's new pace top, given what we know about that final figure, even if we were to you know, in our heads, modify it backwards just a little bit because we know that that track was super souped up by Churchill Downs. He still runs a 78 final figure and a 73 four for a long figure. No matter how you slice it, Destin ran a, ran a new pay stop. Stradivaria certainly ran a new pay stop as well with a 76 four for a long figure and a 72 final figure. So I think both of those horses, based on those figures, um, and we know new pay stop is the best sign for forward progress, especially it's, a, a, you know, Going longer, which is what we see here, they're going to both be right there, and I would suspect once we see the value play picks, they're going to be a strong lean. Now, even if Exaggerator's figures are really strong and he winds up being the value play picks, I see either of those as a likely upsetter in this race, Ed. Yeah, Dustin, uh, I mean, I was 100% completely against him in the Derby, and it had nothing to do with an assessment of his talent. I just did not think a horse could come in off eight weeks rest and not having raced beyond the mile and the 16th and win the uh-huh. derby uh that uh i would stand by that 100 percent. but he he got the race uh it's odd to think of the derby as a prep but you know it was his first race in eight weeks uh fit sort of the pletcher mold now he comes back in five weeks uh the new pace top is certainly a, another feather in the cap and you answered my next question which was going to be how do you, with the mile and a half race, a distance they've never run, might never run again, uh, how do you look at these numbers? And you mentioned that the new pace top is more powerful as the distances get longer. Uh, so to me, uh, that point, you know, as much as I love Exaggerator and would love to stick with them, that even money in this group, uh, it seems like there's an opportunity to play against them. Listen, Kerry went back, Kerry Fotis, who originally wrote the data, and the algorithm for Equiform, is, and that's a company that Predictiform bought, looked at 150,000 races. And over those 150,000 races, this form cycle pattern of new pace top, the fastest four for a long figure of a horse's life, with a final figure within a couple points of his lifetime top, proved out consistently to improve. It's one of the better indicators of future success, and oftentimes dramatically so, the final pace figure is a is a strong sign for layoff horses and especially horses stretching out. So in two cases, we have horses that fit to a T uh, the concept of what a new pace top is. I you know on paper, I guess you would say Destin probably would be the more likely of the two, but I don't want to get away from Stradivaria either because 
while he does have a couple races back-to-back, he's only had three races lifetime at this distance. I think there's a couple other horses that are showing me other signs, too. So this looks like a, I, you know, I don't want to say, um, th- there are a couple standouts in this race and a couple horses that are going to be too slow and are going to be tosses for us. So I suspect we're going to have a, a pretty strong play in the, in the uh, Belmont Stakes. All right, and uh, I'll say this horse is uh, my Mr. Z for this year, so I'm going to ask you about him again. Uh, Lonnie improved five points on the Brisnet scale and the Preakness. Uh, uh-huh. Everyone seems to think this is the race because of the distance and the fitness, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything you see, whether it's a fractional number or the final time number, uh, that says with a step forward at a mile and a half he can compete against these? On the, in the last podcast we did before the Preakness, I mentioned that I thought he was a grade two, grade three type, and I'm going to stick by that. His final figure regressed from 79 to 71. His four furlong figure regressed also back to 57. He hasn't shown anything in his two races in the U.S. to indicate he's sitting on a breakout number. So for us, sometimes three-year-olds do something they rarely do, but uh, – I'm not seeing it. I mean, I think there's a couple other horses with some strong form cycle patterns that have a more likely chance to break out than Lonnie does. And I don't know what you've got for morning line odds or early odds, Ed. Um, uh, well, I just know what the, you know, the offshores and books have uh, Lonnie's at 12 to 1. Yeah, so I think that's a good number. He would probably not be somebody we would lean towards for our third race in a row. All right. Well, we'll uh, certainly know more about the field next week and uh, yep. maybe some pace dynamics we can get into. Uh, certainly uh, a lot of closers uh, for those familiar yep. with Brisnet. Uh, Ast is sustained, and that's sort of the, the designation we use for closers. And mm-hmm. of the projected field, uh, Exaggerator, Sudden Breaking News, Brody's Cause, Motown, Creator, and Cherry Wine – uh, our six with the S designation, and Lonnie would have it, but we need three races before we, we label a horse. Uh, so to me, uh, that's super interesting that there's there's that many. So uh, pace uh-huh. is definitely going to be a, a hot topic again. Uh, any parting thoughts before we, we get to Chicago? Yeah, two other quick notes. I can tell you that Brody's cause looks like he is going to be on a double top. Um, we're waiting for the final numbers to publish, but that Derby race, actually he is off a double top off that Derby race. He ran a fast four furlong figure, his fastest lifetime. He was, I mean, he was 13th and 11th, but as compared to other races when he was dead last, he was moving forward. I, that double top indica- indicates regression. There is some, you know, a, a horse to do something for the first time. If anybody's going to break through a number, it would be more likely Brody's cause than it would be Lonnie. But if you look back, at his race uh, in December of 2000, and, uh, I'm sorry, October 3rd of 2015, he ran a double top with a win followed by a three-point regression, which is what I would expect here to see in the Kentucky Derby or in the uh, Belmont Stakes. Beyond that, there uh, it looks like it's the haves and haves-nots. I mean, the the <laughs> positive patterns that we talked about. I don't know if Unified is going to get in, Ed. Have you heard about this? Uh, I know. I mean, I know he hasn't 100% completely declared, but it, it's right. looking as if they're leaning toward the Pegasus. Oh, they are, and okay, not well. the Pegasus at Gulfstream, but the one at Monmouth. Got it. Got it. Well, he's compression line, new pace tap reversal. So whether he runs here 
or the Pegasus at Monmouth. He's looking at a forward move. But, uh, yeah, I'll be excited to see what the numbers look like. They'll be out tonight. We'll post them up for free, and we'll really get into it next week once we see, uh, or two weeks from now when we see the post position. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll. Uh, I'll be up there, uh, which uh, that tends to, unfortunately, uh, mix up our schedules a little bit. But really need to figure out a time because not only is there the Belmont Stakes, but uh, it's a what ten or eleven stakes card on Saturday. Uh, grade ones galore, uh, huge, huge pools. Uh, so we'll have to make sure we, we figure out a time to, to look at that pick four again. I, I think that was a good exercise for the Preakness. So that will be in two weeks. In a week we'll look at the field again, and uh, maybe the Penn Mile will be our race next week. But before we get to that, Memorial Day weekend uh, used to be a much bigger weekend in racing. I think they yielded somewhat to the, the beach picnic Indy 500 crowd, not as many big races as there used to be, namely the Met Milestone, uh, the Shoemaker Mile at Hollywood is, is elsewhere as well. But uh, mm-hmm. some interesting stakes, including a pair at Arlington, which uh, you and I don't talk too much about Arlington, but uh, the, the stakes program is still strong there, even if, if other races maybe not. Uh, I mentioned the Matron uh, and the Arlington Classic. Uh, did you look at both or just the Matron or either no, I, I, I spent some time with the matron. We can talk. We can talk a bit about that race. Great. All right. Well, I will mention the Arlington Classic just because my current favorite horse in training, Surgical Strike, is there, and I was very happy to see he's the top contender. Uh, certainly, the value from the American Turf when he was fifteen to one is yeah. is gone. Uh-huh. He's probably going to be the the two to one or five to two favorite, depending on how many go in the gate. But uh, hopefully, he runs well and certainly someone I'm going to be watching for throughout the year. So that's in race seven. And yeah, I, and I would like just make a comment. I'll make a comment about surgical strike. I think he is our top pick in the value play picks, but if you look at, if you look at his pace figures and you look at his turf numbers, sometimes in, in his case, he has turf races going back the end of 2015 and one race in 2016, and then he moves to the poly track surface or whatever that surface is called at uh, Turfway. And he has one race back over at Churchill as a 76. That looks like a top. I mean, it looks – I'm not thrilled about that 76 figure thrown in the middle of nowhere. I mean, he hasn't run over 73. And his last race on Churchill Downs day, he runs this 76 out of nowhere, probably against stiffer company and runs third. I mean that that race to me looks more like a. I don't want to say. It, I, I think that's a, too big of a number to come back, especially at five to two. Now I know we have him as a top contender, but I would I would tread lightly when I see surgical strike. Mm-hmm. Well, sorry to break. I don't want to hear that, but I appreciate yeah. the perspective. Uh, and there's a, a turf decline line in the field, and I mean it, yep. it's a big field, so there there probably will be some some juicy prices. Uh, I'm pretty much committed to him just as as a fan, but uh, it should be a pretty good pick for. And you know that doesn't mean I necessarily have to single him by any means. Uh, the matron is uh, race six, which is second leg of the the pick four on the eight race card. Uh, thought they drew a pretty good field, a uh, chance for. Uh, older fillies and mares to to get some graded state or excuse me yeah grade three get some black type graded black type on poly track. Uh, right. Would you make of the field? Well, and I think that's an interesting point. It's probably the softest 
grade three um, for older fillies and mares that I have seen. You know, traditionally, this is a really competitive field. I mean, I've had a bunch of horses run in these in these fields, and they, you know, you think in, in New York you come in against grade three runners, and lots of times they're grade one winners in here. In this case, you just don't see a lot of them. And I think from a class perspective, I'm not a big class guy, but I, I would have to look at Brooklyn's way, Brooklyn's sway uh, from a class perspective. But from a figure perspective, um, you know, there's a new pace top runner in here. We don't want to turn our head away from a new pace top runner, <laughs> even on um, synthetic. So a City of Tricks is, what is his odds? Like 50 to 1 probably? City of Tricks, uh, 30 to 1 on the morning line. And Arlington has a rule they don't make horses more than 30 to 1 in stakes. So right. you might be right. She might be 50. <laughs> well, I would tell you that uh, of all the runners in terms of figures that look interesting, the horse from the outside, Lady Foghorn, uh, other than this, you can draw a line through, let's say, a his figure at Churchill Downs where he ran 55 on a yielding surface. He's basically run 74s and 75s for five or six races, four races in a row. Lady Foghorn now, his last race at Indiana Downs, it was a 70, but uh, it was a soft pattern, meaning he won with something left in the tank. And, you know, against this field, I can't see why it's not worth taking a shot or a long look at the outside horse at that price. Yeah, and with the mile and an eighth, uh, Arlington is uh, that's its circumference, so uh, you, you get a little bit of a run uh, into the turn uh, uh-huh. at that distance. So the outside posts aren't the huge, huge disadvantage. I mean, ten or eleven, I, you know, I wouldn't say is is great, but uh, at the price, Lady Foghorn twenty to one on the morning line. City of Tricks is, as you know, that 30 to 1 kind of covers the field and want to be early, want to be coming late. Uh, the horse that is a uh, the top contender on your value, value play is Brooklyn's Away, uh, or excuse me, Brooklyn Sway, is uh, not the morning line favorite, so that always catches my attention when a top contender isn't projected to be the favorite. Uh, she yeah, might great. be forwardly placed as well. Any thoughts on her? Well, I mean, back-to-back, seven. from a figure perspective, looking at the last two final races, she is a couple points faster than all, than all these, you know, albeit she's running in higher class levels. So I, I do think that, you know, she's probably the most likely winner from a from a straight win percentage. There's value with a couple others. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of race where you can take a swing and take a horse like Brooklyn Sway and, and use, him, use her back and forth with a couple of the long shots. Yeah, and she gets back to synthetic uh, four for eleven, uh, one for five. Otherwise, I keep I keep forgetting uh, that Arlington so, is synthetic track, Ed. Yeah, poly track. So uh, that that's interesting, and and she gets Et Baird, uh, who in addition to knowing Arlington well, but uh, sort of known as a as a rider on the front end, could see him hustling her out. Uh, at the price, so I'm, I'm sort of with you. She's sort of the one I, I could see trying to get cute with longer prices, uh, mixing and matching. The, the morning line favorite is No Fault of Mine, who goes turf to synthetic for Chris Block. 
uh, another big local name there, and she is two yeah. for two on the all-weather, but those came sprinting at Arlington. Uh, mm-hmm. She's by Blaine, so not a big issue with the mile and an eighth, but I, I do wonder just because all her nice races seem to have been uh, sprinting, but maybe she you know just hasn't had the opportunity to stretch out. Right. Well, her, her she's got a good line. I mean, she was a, a new pace top winner at six furlongs, a delayed pace top runner, comes back to turf, stretches out, you know, has a couple 73s at this distance. Um, so, yeah, she wouldn't be a huge surprise. I did want to go back, and I, I, I caught myself because I didn't realize I, I was thinking that Arlington was dirt for some idiot reason. But if you take a look at Flip Cup, and I'll point out what what is interesting about Flip Cup. I, I totally dismissed Flip Cup because of that regression um, last race and the time off. But you've got two races at on the uh, Woodbine surface, and one was a 73.5 and one was almost an 80 at 10 furlongs. Now, those are really big numbers. A race back to either of those wins this race. I can't speak to time off. I can't speak to any of that. But Flip Cup, if Flip Cup runs back to her lifetime top or even close, she's the clear winner in here with a final figure of almost 80 at 10 furlongs. Clear winner? You know, I mean, final figure-wise? All right. All right, hang on a second. Her top final figure, now personal diary. Okay, not clear Not clear winner, but value. <laughs> How about that? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Well, and uh, yeah, eight to one on the morning line in this race. Uh-huh. Uh, I think you said ten. It's nine, but uh, you know, for this group, that's that's definitely stretching out. I mean, most race a mile and a sixteenth typically. So uh, yeah. I'm I'm with you there. Uh, so as I mentioned, it is the second leg of of the pick four. Uh, who who would you who would be your main uses in? In the matron? Yeah. What the hell are we talking about here? Of course the goddamn matron head's thinking. Um, <laughs> uh, hang on a second. Well, I would I would say Flip Cup, Brooklyn Sway, and Lady Foghorn were the three I identified. All right. And then, uh, I guess, City of Tricks, watch the board, and maybe an action play if she's 50 to 1. Yeah, nothing too interesting there. Gotcha. It's right, actually well, interesting. You know, the weekend is pretty – you brought it up earlier, and I'm taking a look and just zipping through a bunch of races. You're absolutely right. They peeled off quality racing over the long weekend. Finally, they – you know, I feel like that's a really good decision by the major racetracks to allow people to do what they want to do, and if they want to come out to the races, they should do it. Um, and likely Monday will be a pretty good day in New York. But I will – I would be remiss if I didn't mention, Ed, that my Philly – my six-year-old filly, Neck of the Moon, is running on Monday in New York in the Mount Vernon for 125K. I'm a partner in that horse, and we talk about Chad, and we talk about two races in a row. It's her second race off a long layoff. She ran second with a pretty good final figure, so we're looking for Neck of the Moon to bring home a paycheck for us. I like it. Next Monday? Yeah, well, you know, her last out, I don't know if you remember, but she ran in April, at the end of April. She ran a track record. The winner ran a track record. She ran 81. She ran 81 for seven furlongs. That's quick? Yeah. Well, I guess if she wasn't my horse, I would say she's probably sitting on regression, but <laughs> I don't really want to do that. 
Well, as we talked about with Takeover Target, though, uh, Chad's pretty good about finding a pair sometimes. So uh, maybe you're lined up for that. Are you live in the pick four, pick six today? Yeah, I'm live. Uh, started with the two to five shot, though, so I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> All right, man. Have yourself a good weekend. All right, Danny Zucker, everyone from Predictiform. Again, we'll have uh, Belmont Stakes numbers uh, up. Uh, well, PPs will be available later today. Uh, there's a link in the description. Uh, and we'll also uh, have uh, the, the Predictiform numbers will be available uh, tomorrow morning. And we'll be back next week. Uh, Hoping to get Danny to talk about the 10 mile, but obviously we'll know more about the Belmont field and dive into that in two weeks from now, live at Belmont Park. Uh, big day, big week of racing there. Huge pools in the pick four. Uh, we'll certainly uh, look at those and then on to Ascot and Stephen Foster and into summer racing. So a lot going on. Look forward to talking to you each week. Thanks for listening today.